0: Greetings. I want to send greetings from uh, and just deliver them to you from the church, uh, your sister church in Orange, California. Actually, we, we gathered this morning and prayed for you, prayed for Tim, prayed for his family then prayed for you again, and then, thankfully, they prayed for me. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to send greetings from, and I've been getting texts this this morning, this afternoon, from our sister churches throughout the uh, western United States. They they love you, and uh, they're, they're pausing as well today, uh, thanking God for what God is doing among you. So I just want you to hear from all of us that our respect for you, our respect for your pastors— um, there are, there really are, listen, there are a few men like them. I, I, I'm in Southern California with you. I'm looking for them all the time, looking for friends like Ron, like Tim, like Bill, uh, men that I can uh, enjoy a relationship with and fellowship with and partnership, partner with. But there are few, few pastors, this is my experience, who serve as pastors, not because they love being pastors, but because they love Jesus. And because they love Jesus, they love you. And that's what I hear when I'm with them. How much they love you, how much they love the Lord, uh, and and if I could just say, it, it's this is not normal, and you know, it, Ron and Bill and Tim, they're they're not normal. There I said it, okay? They're they're not they're not normal. If you haven't picked up yet, because uh, they're they're a gift from the risen Savior. For you, for us, for our good, for your good, for your comfort, uh, for your ministry and your calling in your life, and and for this moment, and and it really is just—it's just so pleasing what God has done. I remember now. Ron told his story of how this maybe all came together, at least a piece of it. But I remember the first time Ron introduced. The idea of sending Tim to the pastors' college, our denominations finishing school for pastors and church leaders, uh, sending he, he introduced the idea of sending a guy who I remembered actually Tim had preached in orange. When we were a church plant, and we were just desperate for to send anybody, and we didn't know it was—it turned out great, but we didn't at the night time know who Tim was. They said we got a guy. You want to take him? We took him, and I look back at that email, and it was a fabulous message, and we just enjoyed our our time together way back when. But I remember getting an email at, and and some conversations about it, and uh, we want to send a guy who left our church, and is living on the other side of the country, no longer even a member of a Sovereign Grace Church, what if Tim Owens is our next pastor here in Pasadena? And uh, and during the discussions, I just, have to be honest, I had concerns. (laughs) I had some concerns. In one email, I looked all this up. In one email, I even wrote to Ron, January 29th, 2021. You can confirm this later. I wrote, hey, It was like, I kept me up all night. Hey, I just had a crazy thought. I wonder how it works if you hire a guy, send him to the pastor's college, bring him back to Pasadena, and then the Western region doesn't approve his ordination (laughs) and then I wrote it must have been a nervous ha (laughs) you know how how does this work I wrote I'm assuming this is a super long shot you know like it's a good good risk but I'm not saying you should change what you're doing I'm just realizing I wrote that this is what our new polity introduces into the equation I'm feeling for you Ron I wrote, and of course, the only way the region could not approve him for ordination if he passes the exams is heterodoxy or scandalous sin. And I wrote, maybe this is just the effect of 2020 on my brain. Can't sleep. Ha, again. (laughs) Just thinking, slash, this is what I wrote, freaking out. (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) Ron, Ron emails me back. That was late at night because I couldn't sleep. Ron, Couldn't sleep apparently too because it was really early in the morning. Ron emails me back and says, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I thought of that too, although I'm not sure what the hiring process would look like otherwise. Good question. Good point. The alternative seemed to be hire a guy only after he's been ordained or some version of an internship or residency that keeps things temporary and contingent upon him passing ordination. And this is what Ron writes. Given how much we already know and have already invested in Tim, this does not seem to be very unlikely that he would not pass, but I suppose anything is possible. <laughs> you should have wrote how ha there too. Uh, if he does not, then we would re- need to reconsider his employment. This is what's going on, the masterminds behind leading these churches, right? We'll need to reconsider his employment. His continued employment is contingent upon him passing his ordination. I don't know if they told you that, but that's what we were talking about. That was understood. Two and a half years later, here we are. <laughs> Tim passed with flying colors. The region voted unanimously. Oh, man, one of the, one of the guys on the panel, it's three hours grueling conversations, oral exam. Uh, pastor in Archer, church, he, I mean, he came back and just said, I wish you all would have been there. My, his heart was just soaring from just fellowshipping around all those questions. Dustin Smithoni, if you ever met him. Uh, anyways, the region voted. You heard unanimously. To approve his ordination with faith and courage and the wisdom and the spirit that God has brought us to this moment. And I could just say, if I'm representing all these churches, I just couldn't be more pleased. I just couldn't be more pleased the Owens are back in California. And so, with just a few minutes, before you go any further, <laughs> allow me to let me just explore and answer a simple question How should you think about Pastor Tim? How should you think about him, Pastor Tim? If you would, if you got a Bible, turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, probably your standard, the ESV. And if you don't have a Bible, you can just Google it. 1 Corinthians 4 and the letters ESV, you'll find it. Uh, The translator heading in the English Standard Version uh, says the ministry of the apostles, but we can extrapolate out from what we're reading here uh, to pastors and church leaders. It's transferable. It applies in some ways to all of us, what we're about to read here. How should we think about pastors, church leaders? This is something Christians have been asking since day one, something every member of every church must answer. You You need to answer this. How should we think about, in your case, Pastor Tim? What about Tim, if you've seen What About Bob? What about Tim? He's back. (laughs) If you look with me, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, just one verse I'll read, then pray for understanding. The Apostle Paul writes, this is how one should regard us Paul speaking of himself as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God the very words of God father father imprint your thoughts in understanding upon our hearts and minds teach us change us Ch- change the way we think about in particular pastors and church leaders, help, help us, Father, in these brief moments, especially those who have a complicated relationship with previous church leaders. I pray you would meet us in these moments. Help us see, see your son's care and leadership through the provision in particular of a new pastor this morning, Pastor Tim, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to give you something about myself. I love talking about how much something costs, okay? I love talking about how much does something cost. Do you? I, I, estimating the value of something. Appraising things. And I'm not alone. I know this. I'm not alone. If you haven't noticed, it's a popular pastime. There, there, there's a whole entertainment, you might say, genres based on estimating how much something costs. There's the price is right. And we could play prices right rules tonight today with uh, Pastor Tim. There's the antique road show, but he's a new pastor, so we won't play that game. There's there, there there's the small talk. If you're like me, small talk, right? You know, around the cooler post COVID about the topic of infla in in inflammation. If you're older like I am, or or inflation, it, it's getting ridiculous. Don't get me started. I love talking about it, uh, but then there's this one thing that has become just oh, it's a, just a, it's a habit. I gotta break it. Zillow. Okay. Do you know Zillow? It's a per- and, and Zillow, which is a real estate app and uh, website, uh, has a proprietary value estimating algorithm called Zestimate. And I'm a firm believer. I love Zestimate. Zestimate. Why? Because it seems like just by the power of GPS and, you know, you summons Steve Jobs in my Apple phone, I no longer have to even guess how much my neighbor's home is worth. Right, I can just go on my walk through the neighborhood, or even oh, this is sad to admit, but I can go in, I can be invited into my friend's or my neighbor's home, and with just the click of an app and the, like, the satellites that are going overhead, I can make an educated estimate regarding a particular property I can estimate the value of That home, I can pull up the stats. It's all on my phone, right there. I just click the button. I can get how many bedrooms, how many baths. I can get how many square feet. I can get all the information. I can even know what the the owner, the current owner, paid for this property, right there on my phone. It's a zestimate, and that helps me to understand everything else around me: that the home, my neighbors, my neighborhood, even my neighbor themselves. And we do this all the time with all kinds of stuff, even people, even people. We estimate how, who they are and how they fit into the equation into my life, how they measure up, how they compare, how, they rel- how, how I am to relate to someone. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in our verse as he engages with some of the very first Christians who are evaluating, they're estimating. Their leaders, as he wrote so memorably, just a couple paragraphs before, if you know your Bibles, he wrote, wrote, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? He's he's estimating. (laughs) Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So that's the question we're going to ask this morning as well. What then is Pastor Ron? What is Bill? (laughs) Who is Pastor Tim? How are we to regard these men? How are we to reckon them, count them, understand them, value them? At the time this letter was written, oh, the Christians, many Christians, they were the first Christians, many Christians, had different ways of regarding, regarding, thinking about, estimating pastors and church leaders, even the apostles. They had opinions about the apostles. Some considered the leaders, the, the, the particular individuals, speaking abilities. Some some the leaders' physical attributes and appearance. Some by the size of the crowds that would gather or or the number of followers. Their, some it was their spe, their, their expressions of the spectacular work and power of the Holy Spirit. For some it was who they knew, the credentials that they had, some even by the subject they tended to address. Think about this. Some, some people, some Christians, valued a Christian leader based on the kinds of things they talked about. And, and, and the more critical, and we'll say, anti-this and that they became, the better. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds familiar. There's nothing new under the sun. But here, here, Paul, near the end of Paul's extended defense of his own ministry, and by inference, ours as well, Paul speaks very plainly. He just cuts to the chase. In summary, he says, this is how you are to regard those who God calls to lead and to teach and to care for and to protect and and to pastor us, including myself, because I have pastors too. Listen, I I got opinions too. I'm, I'm estimating valuing we all do this we all have pastors or i hope you have a pastor and so he offers two categories two brief categories not exhaustive cat this is an exhaustive list but two categories they're they're very substantial two two categories two considerations on how we must we must regard in in focus this morning i would say pastor tim are you pastor tim i guess you're not technically pastor yet Soon to be, minted minted Pastor Tim. This is what Paul says. Regard him as a servant of Christ. Regard him as a servant of Christ. Regard him as a steward of the mysteries of God. Regard your pastors, Ron, Bill, soon to be, Tim, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let me explain first, servants of Christ. No, notice, if you look down at that verse, notice pastors, church leaders, Paul speaking as an apostle, are servants. They aren't masters, lords, right? Kings, <laughs> chief executive officers. Their, their entire identity is wrapped up in the one in whom they find their purpose and meaning. They are servants of Christ. And notice Paul doesn't that pastors are servants of the church, which in many ways, practically speaking, they are. They're servants. They're your servants. They're servants of the church, the church of God. But no, here Paul is making a huge point, a huge point. Pastors, church leaders, in particular, pastors, soon to be Pastor Tim, is a servant of Christ. I spoke with an uh, a pastor this past week, unrelated to Sovereign Grace Churches, uh, this past week, he was talking about, they were working on stuff in their local church, and how awkward it was, they're talking about boards and groups of pastors and things like that, how awkward it is when the pastors are the ones on that pastoral board, or a pastoral team, or whatever, they're the ones put in charge of making big leadership decisions in the church, big financial decisions, big vision decisions, how to delegate all the work that needs to be done in the church, how how awkward it was. And, and, and I was a little curious. Why is this awkward? It was a little confusing at the moment. But why is this awkward? And he explained, because the pastors, and the pastor he was speaking of, who I didn't know, but he's, the pastor he was speaking about is an employee of the church. He's an employee of the church, uh, the, this other pastor. Explained. How can an employee make these kinds of leadership decisions when he, this employee, our pastor, works for us? He works for us. Not the other way around. And I knew what he was saying. I I understand. You understand what he's saying. But still, I was just thinking about this text. Paul begs to differ. Your pastors, and some of your pastors are employees. And certainly, they must be held accountable. And sometimes that's awkward. However, let's be clear. We must not regard them as our employees. They're not our employees. Servants here to do our bidding. They don't work for us. As you ordain Tim, you're saying we recognize that Tim is a servant of Christ. See, this perspective that Paul is offering for us, God's, God's offering for us, this is how he thinks about them. This perspective on a a pastor helps us to not overvalue, right, estimate, overvalue what we should expect from our pastors, from soon-to-be Pastor Tim, or any of the pastors, or even other people who are leading in the church, they aren't, you know, big, bold guys who kick butt, you know, taking names, fighting the man, whatever it is, the ones with an ambitious vision for our future. No, no, no. Not that that they. Some of them can't be that, and, and they're also not the one who is here to save us. We could overvalue, overplay who they are. We, we also could undervalue. We could get the estimation wrong. It, I suppose his master, the one that they serve, was the master of everything. The one who holds the universe in his hand. The one whom, in whom everything finds its meaning and being. Sustaining power, all-powerful, Un. Changing master, an invincible master, an indestructible master, yet a gentle and lowly master whose heart is good and kind and merciful and gracious. Pastors serve the most wonderful of masters. I'm a member of a church. Many of you are a member of this church. We can just say this we're not very good masters. But your pastors don't don't serve us, Paul's saying. They're, they're They're not up for our evaluation, so to speak, in some regards. They serve the wonderful one that we were singing about all day. We can underestimate the value of a pastor. Think of the resources. Think of the resources that exist in our past, at our pastor's disposal. Right, in many ways, they represent the very heart of the Savior Christ for us. It's why. It's why when something bad happens, when you got one of your darkest days, a very, very bad, terrible day, even their presence can make all the difference, can't it? Not not because of anything they do or say, maybe sometimes even in spite of what they're doing or saying, uh, not because of anything that they can offer of themselves, but simply because who they serve fundamentally our pastors are servants of christ pastor tim will be a servant of christ and the accent will always land on the latter end of that phrase and this is how you should see him we should see our pastors not employees not not members of the management team not celebrities not masters not our best friends those oftentimes they can be close friends or companions. We should estimate them to be, reckon them to be, regard them as servants of Christ. But he gives us another phrase too. And secondly, and this, might be, this might be my most famous, and I'm a pastor, so maybe I'm a little bit, you know, whatever, a little biased here. But this is one of my all-time favorite descriptions of what a pastor is. Both because of what it means and how it sounds, okay? Right? Regard them, Paul says, if you look at the verse, as servants of Christ, but also as stewards of the mysteries of God. <laughs> right stewards of the mysteries of god i love that one and, and, and we got to start with the stewards when that's not the exciting part, it's the mystery part right but the stewards part pastors and church leaders have been entrusted with something that's that's what a steward is they've been entrusting something they didn't bring anything to the table themselves they don't bring anything to the game they have been entrusted with something and what is that something that's the exciting word the mysteries, <laughs> the mysteries. And if your pastors seem mysterious when they're talking, that's not because of what mysteries means there. It's because they're not doing a very good job explaining it, okay? <laughs> it's not supposed to feel mysterious when they're talking and when they're speaking or preaching or leading. But they have been given a mystery. It's not a, and just to understand this this term, in, in particular the New Testament, but throughout the scriptures, it's, it's not something, doesn't refer to something that's difficult to understand like a puzzle, like a murder mystery, right? Now, now, mysteries in the Bible are references to something that was a secret that has been, is being, or will be revealed. Something that we didn't previously know, but existed. Right? The, the, the closest biblical term to this would, would be It's apocalypse. It's revelation. You find it all over the New Testament. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. The mystery of Christ. The mystery of the gospel. The mystery of God. The mystery of God. Namely Christ. That's in Colossians. God's secret wisdom. That's in 1 Corinthians. That's earlier. The mysteries of the faith. The mystery of godliness. Mystery here and elsewhere. It it, it always always refers to this, this long unrevealed but now being revealed will be revealed this focused on a divine plan of salvation always centered on Christ always decreed from long ago this is how first corinthians 2 talks about contained in God's the scriptures talk about everlasting counsel it's always been there long hidden to human perception, we we didn't see it, but but now openly preached. That's Ephesians six, openly preached the mysteries that were once hidden in plain sight. Now openly preached. One scholar says it, it, it this disclosed by Christ Himself. He's the Word. He's the revelation. He's the reason we started our service with that. Always in the fullness of time, just at the right time, declared in a person and reckon the reconciling work of christ has always focused on this divine plan of salvation that has to be here you go perceived spiritually in plain sight this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the mysteries of god perceived spiritually Having been entrusted we said this in hebrews 1 entrusted to the prophets and the apostles by the spirit ephesians 5 what is Revealed by the Spirit, understood by the Spirit, long hidden, now proclaimed. Want a shorthand for this? It's the gospel. The gospel. Pastors, pastors are stewards of the good news. God's wisdom eternally decreed in his counsel that he would agree with the fo- the Son and the Spirit to send the Son to live and die in our place, condemned for not anything he had done, but what we have and continue to be and do. Pastors are entrusted with the very wisdom, that glory, the revelation, the words, the very gospel of God, as Paul writes to the Galatians. And Paul's writing this to help us that we not overvalue a pastor. Because let's be clear, pastors don't have some sort of like special knowledge. <laughs> Or some sort of secret knowledge. It feels like that sometimes when I'm speaking. Like, there's something I got, but you guys don't understand it because I'm not good at explaining it. it, Pastors don't have some sort of exclusive thing that that they're given to steward, but they're supposed to keep it and not share it. It's not some sort of powerful message that pastors have. The mysteries of God are mysteries, not Tim's mysteries or your pastor's mysteries. It's the gospel. We, I have to be clear, our, our pastors aren't offering something that they, you might even say, you can't get from another pastor. <laughs> I read this week, I was just thinking about our time, and I read an old ordination from the 1700s, an ordination service, where the pastor said, and I guess because people died younger then, just said, you know, it's kind of like, thank, let's thank God for this new pastor, but we're all clear that he's a gift from God, and if he dies... God will give us another gift. <laughs> well, we do things differently here now. <laughs> These are you know, overvalue, undervalue, cuz listen, as well to be clear, they're stewards of the mysteries of God. They're they're, they're offering something. They're stewarding something no one else is offering. No other organization is offering. No other group of people is offering. No other institution is offering. Uh, postured in humility. As a student themselves. As disciples. They're preserving their gospel voice. Speaking only of the mysteries of God. That's what we expect of them, right? You know, overvalue but we don't want to undervalue them either. We need men, listen, we need men who have Holy Spirit empowered spiritual understanding of the mysteries of God. My, one of my favorite books, Jonathan Edwards' Religious Affections, it's always relevant. He says, spiritual understanding, is Jonathan Edwards hundreds of years ago, primarily consists in this sense or taste of the moral beauty of divine things that that's what we're talking about that's what a pastor is is given and it's not some innate ability he has but it is a spiritual understanding of the mysteries that are in plain sight hidden in plain sight for everybody to enjoy. And and, and a pastor, a church leader, is given this, a spiritual understanding primarily consisting of a sense or taste of the moral beauty of divine things. He he goes on. He's trying to explain. What is this spiritual understanding? He says, it consists in the sense of the heart. And that's what I pick up when I engage with soon-to-be Pastor Tim. Ron and Bill a sense in the heart of the supreme beauty and sweetness of the holiness edward says or moral perfection of divine things that's that's what a pastor is i got all kinds of opinions about all kinds of other things i'm assuming these three guys have all kinds of opinions about all kinds of things And you could find all kinds of people who have all kinds of opinions about all kinds of things. But a pastor, how shall we estimate them? How shall we regard them? How should we think about them? We should think about them as men who have Holy Spirit, spiritually empowered understanding about the mysteries of God. The gospel. And Paul's whole point in this is that they, they, they are a gift from the risen Christ to you. His servants carrying his message. And it's not normal. Listen, what's happening right now? It's about to happen. Not normal. A man and a family who are setting aside their privileges and their preferences to follow Jesus and join Jesus in serving him, caring for his church, joining Jesus in his mission even in southern California and in the west and in this your mission as a sovereign grace church to care for you and to feed you and to lead you and to protect you and to comfort you and to teach you at times correct you to model for you to to set aside set a Apart, a model, an example of what this all looks like and to fellowship with you, to befriend you, to bear with you, even to love you. You can't, and this is going back to that pastor I was talking about, you can't hire someone to do that. You may compensate them, but you can't just go on jobs.com and hire that kind of man you can't even run a program to develop that kind of man. You tried it, and he left. <laughs> but then he came back. <laughs> because these kinds of people, these pastors, are sent. They work for someone else. They're a servant of Christ. And they're given something you can't give him. The words of life. To so see, Pastor Tim for who he is. Get your Zestimate right. <laughs> Thank God for your pastors, who they are. Rejoice, respect them, regard them this way. Honor them, follow them, trust them, embrace them as I have observed you do for decades. I am so grateful for what God is about to do, that God sent you Tim and his family as a reminder of Once again, how kind of a reminder that God is with you. He is with you, and I rejoice with you. So let me pray for you as we proceed. Father, thank you for all that you do for us, orchestrating before this world and its foundations were laid. You had things like this in mind and planned out, and we are along for the ride, (laughs) grateful grateful that you give us pastors i would rejoice that this is what you're doing we embrace we embrace your good gift and we pray oh would it would it serve your purposes for your glory in jesus name amen amen